What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernition, joined by the two best colleagues and co-workers and co-hosts in the business. Jesus Christ, third attempt to finally get the word right. Off to a flying start. It's Nick Price and Devin Jackson, also of Blue Chip Scatting. Gentlemen, happy Sunday. What's up, man? What's up, man? Um, <laughs> just want to address something. fantastic intro. <laughs> Just want to address something. There are no bins on this podcast, so whoever made that tweet, um, you're probably suffering right now. But anyway, what's up, guys? What's up, Nick? What's up? Yes, uh, there are probably some people going, what the fuck is Devin talking about? Someone put out a tweet saying that every co-host has at least one guy named Ben. Um, And I believe I made a joke about it on Twitter saying that it was Ben Hernition, Ben Price, and Ben Jackson. Ben Jackson uh, has a nice ring to ben it. Ben Jackson does. does have a nice ring to it. Um yeah. So it's been it's been a week in in college football and in the NFL. Nikhil Harry, as as Nick and I talked about on the live show, has thrown a gigantic, I was gonna say colossal and gigantic at the same time. Uh, a gigantic hissy fit and is trying to get his way out of New England. And I know that it comes across as being harsh, but when you've done as little as he's done, despite being a first round pick, what else can we call it? Like he's talking about how he was dominant at, you know, at the catch point. It's like, dude, Darnay Holmes back in college was throwing you aside to get interceptions. He's not a physical receiver. It, he's done a great job of making me look awful in terms of being a talent evaluator. He's made a lot of people make uh, look awful in general. I mean, there was basically two sides to uh, kind of the saga with him. Either people hated him or people really liked him in the draft process. And he's burning a lot of people right now. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, with his stature, with what he produced in college, I mean, at the very least, he could be a third, fourth option in an offense. He's not even that right now. I mean... What does he really bring you right now in the NFL? Nothing. He just has size. That's that's the only thing going for him right now. If he was a couple inches shorter, he might not be in the NFL right now. I'm still convinced though, that the Detroit Lions could at very least give up next to nothing and 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 just say, hey, you know, he can be like our our, our second or third guy, like Devin said. I mean, look, really, at, at that point, like it, the, the lack of talent they have, they they you have to take a swing for the fences. You mentioned that on the show, like uh, that we did the other night on Friday. For the cost of a conditional sixth, he's going to beat out someone like Quintez Cephas or Tyrell Williams or a rookie in Amon Ross A. Brown, who was their first wide receiver drafted in the fourth round. But they also have uh, Sage Sherratt, who they I think they picked up as an undrafted as a agent. UDFA. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm interject real quick. I need, I need you to give some love to Quintez Stephus because he, he is, uh, he's a little bit better right now than Nikhil Harry and what he brings. He's done more. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean, I was, I was a big Cephas guy at 2020, Same. so mm-hmm. like, I'm still holding see, out. Oh, uh, it's incredibly disappointing to see what's happened with Nikhil Harry, and you know, at the time. When the 2019 draft happened, I was excited for that pick because Brady was still with the Patriots. I figured he needed a number one wide receiver, and I thought that Harry could be that. And it turns out that in ter- scheme, he wasn't a fit whatsoever because that offense relies a lot on route running, spacing, precision, and, 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 precision, mm-hmm. and, and, and Harry doesn't bring any of those to the table. Well, the thing is, it's like it didn't seem like he improved much at all since he's been in the league either, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the most discouraging part. It's not that, you know, because people it happens, you know. Sometimes players with their first team just don't work out, and they go to another team and it works out. But with him, he just really didn't seem to make any progress really as a as a player. Like you know, he supposedly lost some weight and and got better in better shape, but it it just didn't help his game at all. He, he really looked like he was out there running with a backpack on, to be honest. I, I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. I'm, I'm I mean, serious. that's an apt description for being honest. It is. 
Harry has to be one of one of my biggest misses. Has to be. Uh geez, let me let me just pull up the stats for him so far. Because I, I know it's not pretty. He has 45 career receptions for 414 yards that is and bad. four touchdowns. That is so that optimal. Is so bad. That is, uh, that Jesus is... Christ, I just learned, t- as I was looking that up, he's Canadian. Oh, you didn't know that? No. That's a, that's a L for can for the the whole country of Canada, man. Did you almost say Canadian? I, I feel I feel did less you almost bad say now Canadian? About it. I almost did say Canadian. Yeah. I mean, Mike. In fairness, I call it that like every every other day when I'm not around you. I so need like... two new co-hosts. That uh... <laughs> damn. <laughs> nah, just kidding. I love you. All right, guys. time to move on from. Time Nikhil to move Harry, on because Nikhil Harry has, has already depressed this podcast. I, I mentioned it to Nick off air, um, and I am running out of Sunbelt players to get excited about. So I decided to actually just pick a position and watch nationally. This offensive tackle class, it's not great. It really isn't great, but there are some some fun players. That Our, our guy Dante Colonelli mentioned it. There are good players, but everyone at the offensive tackle position has question marks. Jackson Kirkland is only 295 pounds. Uh, Evan Neal is on his face every third or fourth play. Zion Nelson is raw as sushi. Um, You know, Abraham Lucas comes out of that offense. And God, like I could go on and on and on. uh, Darian Kinnard is possibly short-armed would he be better yeah. off at guard and yep. it just it goes on and on and on charles cross is probably oddly one of the safer picks and you wouldn't expect that but i watched a few and i'll tell you there's a kid out of the university of maryland right in your backyard nick that would be an interesting kind of developmental tackle. He was awful in 2019, but then again, Devin, you you can attest to this. Name me something on Maryland in 2019 that wasn't uh, an absolute eyesore to watch. But he got better as last season went on. And that's left tackle Jalen Duncan. Good athlete. Doesn't get worked a whole lot. Uh, The edge rusher from Minnesota, whose name I haven't learned how to pronounce yet. Boyamafe. That would be him. Uh, he gave him some trouble in the Minnesota game, but Boye Mafa is probably going to be a day two pick. Like, Duncan's probably a fourth, fifth, maybe a sixth round pick, but there's something that you can work with. He, this is going to sound awful. He reminds me a little bit of like Andre Dillard and Titus Howard, which, given that both of mm. those guys went in round one. Mm. I think that shows that back then, those guys should not have gone in round one. They should have gone on day three, where players like that belong. But no, like I think he's a fun player. I think that if he continues to work and he shows that, that improvement, like 2019 was awful, 2020 started off okay, and then gradually got better. He actually played really well against Penn State, I, I noticed while I was watching. Maybe he can turn it around and he can actually become like a top 100 type player. I'm not expecting a lot, but I think that that kind of is his upside. One of those draft and stash swing tackles. Yeah, didn't even know his name until today. So definitely, definitely somebody, uh, you know, I might, I may check out later and kind of in the process, but. I mean, this is probably going to be the class to get someone to draft and stash a tackle. I mean, there's really no one, I would say, at this very moment that I say I'm confident in if they started tomorrow, they would fare well in the well, NFL. Yeah. I mean, the draft is cyclical because yeah. two years ago we had, you know, the the first round of offensive tackles in Worfs and Thomas and, and, and Becton. I'm missing one. Uh, Jennifer Wills. Jedrick Wills. They were all like, it was like four of the top 11 picks were off of the tackles. All had either, you know, Andrew Thomas w- had a decent rookie year. Tristan Wirfs is already one of the best offensive tackles in the league. Mekhi Becton is a foundational player for the Jets. 
you know, then last year we had gotten like seven offensive tackles in the first like 50 picks or something ridiculous like that. There was going to be some regression. We're seeing that with the wide receiver class. We had two historic wide receiver classes back to back. And this year doesn't seem like it's going to be as strong at the position. So it happens. It's just, it's not a good year to need an offensive tackle early because there's some hype around Evan Neal. And, and I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't want to be mean, but like, I actually just kind of don't see where that hype comes from. Upside. That's, yeah. that's the kind of the name of the game, man. Um, they want him to be Makai Becton so bad. I don't know who they I mean, are. He has they the size. He, I mean, he has everything. He, he checks off a lot of the boxes you look for in a modern day tackle. So I think that's part of the reason he's getting a lot of hype. Now, it has to be more about his consistency because, I mean, we know the Texas A&M game, he struggled. There are a few other games he struggled as well. So it's like you got to you gotta be consistent too, you know. And obviously he has a lot of room to grow. I think he's going to get better. He's, he's probably going to prove that he's a top tackle. But, I mean, at this very point, I don't blame not putting him as OT1, T2 because of some of the uh, struggles he has and, and being on the ground a lot. So, and, and you know, with summer scaling, you got to be flexible. And to me, I think either you're going to bet on upside, and if you're going to do that, you got to kind of do that for most positions, or you're going to go with people who are already more technically refined, may not have as high of upside or, or needs to improve in some other areas, but are more consistent in, in you know, maintaining their blocks. So that's why I'm not... I'm not upset to see like Jackson Kirkland OT one. Uh, I know Sean Ryan has gotten from UCLA has gotten a lot of hype. I haven't gotten. I mean, within, him. it's yeah. intriguing though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the, even within Blue Chip in the BCS chat, I mean, we had two people of very opposite ends of the spectrum with him. So I mean, it's it's an intriguing tackle class because none of them are right now wouldn't take any probably top ten unless you just really are starving for a tackle, but. I mean, Kirkland's obviously the most obvious is, is the most obvious choice. Just you know, weight issues notwithstanding. Uh-huh. I mean, the way he moves, the way he you know he sets in his anchor. I mean, it's you know. I he, think if he, he were three ten, we'd have no problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did that with Deontay Smith this past year, True. and we saw it was Sam Cosby this past year. That too. So I mean, you know, weight weight can be an issue, but to me, if you're blocking dudes bigger than you. I mean, it matters some to some degree and I get that, but at the same time, it's like, how much does it really matter in the grand scheme of things when you can put 10, 15 pounds of weight on them anyway, you know? Right. Nick, was there anyone that caught your eye this week as we kind of just go round table? Um, well, I think I kind of need to address the elephant in the room, which is that I finally started watching quarterbacks this week, and uh, I kind of inadvertently kind of brought up some uh, weird discussions about one Dylan Gabriel from the University of Central Florida. Um, I the the kind of you know debate on him this week was you know I and a few others were kind of you know jawing back and forth about you know his ability to throw the deep pass, and. My take and my from what I've managed to, to gather from watching you know three games from him is that while he can push the ball downfield, uh, he his arm is definitely not the strongest, and then you, you can tell he's throwing every last bit of his body into his throws, so it's not very easy for him. And I and I think that's an issue. Grant, I still think he has relatively average arm strength, it's just that I don't know, I, it's not enough for me to push that up to like a day you know, two grade as opposed to day three. Cause he's like sitting like he's sitting right now with, with a middle uh round four grade. And, you know, he's relatively accurate, um, decently mobile. He's not dynamic or anything, but you know, he could definitely create yards for himself, you know, when structure breaks down. Um I didn't think his decision making was all that bad. Granted, there was a couple weird passes where he tried to force, you know, passes to Jalen Robinson as I hit my boom arm um <laughs> deep down the field. So He's got to work on that a little bit. Um, and another thing too that like his he, his progressions were kind of a weird thing for me. Where you know at UCF's offense, he was kind of making like one to two reads at most. He's never he's not really having to sit there and kind of you know go to boom 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 you know multiple different reads. 
So it was, really, it was just a lot of quick passes. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. But overall, I don't think Gabriel is a bad player, but this the, 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 his lack of like pure like dominant arm like dominant arm strength is kind of what's keeping him in a fourth round for me. I haven't really gotten to Gabriel. He's admittedly really low on my list of quarterbacks to watch. Um, you know, I haven't even gotten around to Desmond Ritter yet or Matt Corral. <laughs> Two very hotly debated okay, players. So I, I also watched Matt Corral this week. All right. Go for it. Um, he got a 75.6 out of 100, which is a low third round grade from Ooh. for us based on our scale. Um, love the potential. But goddamn, is he volatile? <laughs> That—that's just the word I use. You know, like the Arkansas no, not game. The, I'm not laughing at the volatile, just the. But goddamn, it's just—you know—you see the arm strength, you know, the the the, the willingness to, to move around in the pocket, you know, you know, kind of break out from structure, you know, you know, be basically be mobile. You know, like I, I tweeted out one play where he, he just outright, you know, like just dodges a, a sack from the Auburn defender where he just spins out of, you know, just spins out of it and, you know, throws the ball down the field to, I think it was like Elijah Moore, one of those guys. So like, there's all that like, you know, workable, moldable clay there. It's just the fact you kind of got to, you got to hone him in is my kind of layman's way of explaining that. So. Yeah, no, he's he's one that's on on my list for sure to watch soon. Um, I'm just trying to avoid being burnt out on these quarterbacks before the season actually starts. Um, I'm trying to think. Was there anyone else that really like stood out to me? I mean, I I watched you know uh, Abraham Lucas. I watched Darian Kennard. I like them, but I like them in like early to mid round two. They don't they don't move the needle for me. Um, you know, Lucas has some, like, he's a very crisp mover, but scheme, you know, he's in a wide open type scheme. We've seen those air raid offensive tackles not translate at the next level. We saw Devin, was it, was it LaRaven Clark from Texas Tech? Do you guys even... Do you guys I don't remember? even know who that is. I don't remember LaRaven Clark because I remember like NFL Network kind of hyping him up a couple yeah. years ago for some reason. Like LaRaven Clark got some buzz coming out of a similar style offense and it never clicked for him. And I worry about whether or not guys can actually adjust properly into a more traditional style offense. And I worry about that with uh, with Lucas. You know, I've seen it with Andre Dillard coming out of essentially the same system. So, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I have those same concerns about Charles Cross. He's running that same. He's in that same offense that produced um, uh, Andre Dillard. So, I do have that concern with someone that I am really high on. But man, I just. This offensive tackle class. I mean, there are worse positions in this class. But yeah, this is not even, it's not even the worst. I mean, no. tight ends tackle. are yeah. – tight ends would like a word. <laughs> tight ends are pretty – yeah, the tight end class, listen. So well, let me ask you all this question because I'm assuming one of you guys have seen uh, Jalen Wittemeyer, right? Yep. yep. So I, I realized that he got a, a crap load of hype going into the summer is it kind of cooled a little bit or what's up with that because i haven't majorly cooled majorly cooled not very athletic really not really all that athletic i don't i would i wouldn't say that i would say he's just not really explosive i think okay he makes a lot of flash catches yeah like he, he can do flash catches he can jump high but like he's not explosive in and out of his cuts uh he's not a very sudden player Okay. Yeah, he's a very like. I'm gonna go to the open space and you just throw it in my vicinity. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna take you one on one and you know leave you in the dust or anything. Right. So compared, say, so like, I mean, even compared to last year's class, I mean, honestly, he probably goes round two, round three last year if he's draft eligible, but he's not. Maybe he goes before Pat. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, I, 
He'd be somewhere in between Pat Frymuth and Hunter Long, I think. Now, he, here's my thing, because, I mean, we might as well, since we're talking about the tight end class. Like, Jaleel Billingsley, I think I talked about him on the show with Devin last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's, like, he's okay. He's, he's the best tight end I've seen so far. But would he have been around one player last year? Probably not. You know, I think part of it is just, I need to see more from him. Like, what's he going to be like when he's the number one tight end? Because somehow Miller Forrestal was the number one tight end for Alabama last year. And I would like to see a manager about that because that should not be be a thing. It was was blocking related. (sighs) Yeah, but Miller Forrestal was so bad. He was just bad. Don't let bad players keep good players off the field. Um, But like... I'm I'm someone hoping that... I'm sorry, Mike. Oh, no, no, no. Go, go ahead. Finish that. I'm somewhat hoping that Grant Calcaterra kind of makes a comeback through, uh, through SMU. I was going to say Tulsa, and I knew I was wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, you're close enough. No, not uh, really. Not re- um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> as Devin just completely loses it. I, yeah, I Devin lost it at that one. Yeah. Oh, he lost man. it at that one. Uh, but no, I'm, uh, Calcaterra, you know, famously had to medically retire from football. I believe, was it concussion yeah. related? It was yes. a couple years ago. Ooh. And he spent like a then he announced he was coming back. Yeah, I think he was announced he, he was transferring to Auburn and then and he then switched he, up and he's out and that was a smart man. Know, yeah, he he switched up because it was Malzon that brought him in. Yeah. And then Malzon got fired. Yep. Um but like, yeah. you know, I mentioned, you know, uh Weinemeyer, we mentioned Jalen uh Jaleel Billingsley. Then we then we really started hailing like a dearth of just bleh. Like, I like Kate Otten. I think he's a very serviceable tight end, but he should not be the third best tight end in this class. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of dart throws because uh, to me, guys, I'm I'm intrigued by guys like Brant Keithy that Dante Colinelli just did a great piece on. Mm-hmm. I'll check that out, Blue Chip Scouting. Trey McBride is someone I loved last summer as well. I think he's... You liked him be, more than you liked Warren Jackson. Yeah, and that proved pretty good <laughs> very very much right very much right good job Devin. Um, um but yeah those two guys kind of intrigue me maybe greg dolchich from ucla he kind of intrigues me too has a great story so it's like i like those guys that give give me more than just one thing you, you're good at right so like mcbride he can block you know he's more of that second tight end probably in a system he's not going to be the number one guy Keithy is like a flex tight end, like a F move H back type guy. So he's probably going to be like a second tight end. So like a lot of these guys are are good, but I don't think they have like tight end one potential, if that makes sense. There's another one. There's another one you didn't mention, and I'm glad you didn't. And that's Isaiah likely out of, out of coastal Carolina where his hype came from. I don't know. I really don't know. Don't get me wrong. He is a serviceable slot tight end with good hands. If you need him to block, good luck. He's he's just not going to. I, another I another tight end to F right? move type player. Like, I think part of it is people overrating Coastal Carolina's success last year. Because we've seen this with, with, with Grayson McCall, I've noticed as well. Grayson McCall is being labeled as like a top 50, top 65, 75, top 100 player in this class. And none of that, Listen, none of that is true. Me and McCall Forno. Got a fifth from me. Me and Forno conduct the Grayson McCall hype train, and I will not go any further than giving him maybe a fourth round grade. I will not go any further than that. <laughs> Listen, he's good, but. You got to consider one, his eight. I mean, he that was his first full year starting. One, mm-hmm. two, he runs a mainly RPO, like a very like RPO driven. It is the most like, QB spread, friendly. Yeah, yeah, spread option type of attack. So it's it's not very translatable to the next level. Uh, you know, and then when you get Isaiah Likely, it, a lot of it is like the success they've had. And listen, um, the Jordan Strong is the best prospect on on Coastal Carolina with Jeffrey yes. Gunter right behind him. 
those are the two guys that need to be hyped up. The mm-hmm. Isaiah Likely's, the Grayson McCall's, and some I've of those s- other guys. I've you, you seen, gotta cool the hype on that. I've seen Likely listed as like tight end two and a second round player. And he got a 77 and a half out of 100 for me. So that's a third. Which is about the right spot. They have three yeah. three third round players on that team. And then they have like Grace McCall. I have him as a fifth. He's a redshirt sophomore now. Like two years, maybe we could be talking higher, but not not right now. Not right now. Some of these yeah, Sunbelt I mean, prospects are getting like unbelievably overrated. And as someone that has to watch the Sunbelt really in depth, it's it's irritating. I saw I saw um, was it Car- Carlton Marshall, the linebacker out of Troy, listed as a second round prospect. And for one, like. Nick and I are the short ones on this podcast. We're both six foot one. Carlton Marshall is almost six inches shorter than both of us. He is listed at five nine, which means he's five seven or five eight. And he's listed at two ten. And despite being great in coverage in 2019, he did not care at all in pass coverage last year. He just wanted to rack up tackles. It it was it was infuriating. I really have no answer. <laughs> I have no answer. But listen, no, no, no. Um, to me, it's like I think we want these kind of group of five schools and their prospects to like you. You want to root for them, right? Mm-hmm. You want to no, them. You want to see them succeed. But we also got to be realistic about their projection. Like, I, as much as like you want to just take the film for what it is. Like you have to have context. So who are they playing? One, if you're playing a bunch of linemen that probably are not going to even be an NFL, like you got to take that into consideration. The talent level you're playing, it's kind of that's why I'm like the Jalen Tolbert hype is is kind of also there's another one I've seen him top mix. 65. I I like him. I think he's a really good player. I just don't know right now. And based on some of the things we've seen in the past, group of five players do not get priority. Mm-mm. Like, they don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, and and I love the group of five. You know how much I watch them. But it's like, as much as we want them to be good and, and try to, like, give them this hype and whatnot, like, I mean, even Carson Strong to some degree. I mean, I think he's might he might even be drafted lower than we think. You know, he might be the best pure quarterback by the time we get there next year, but teams might still pass over him because he played for Nevada. You know, same thing happened with Josh Allen. So it's like, I want these, these players, especially like the, the group of five, the FCS, all these players to be successful, but most of their ceilings are third, fourth round picks, you know? So I think we have to be a little realistic when, when making these, um, these comparisons, because NFL teams have shown they will take the third string backup over some of the best FCS players. <laughs> and that's my spill on that. I, I feel bad because we've been talking for a half an hour and I feel like we haven't said a single nice thing about a prospect yet. Like, Well, I'll go ahead and jump in then. Um, watch Wondell Robinson. Me and you, Mike, have been all over him since his freshman year at Nebraska. He is so fun. He's such a fun player to watch. Uh, he lined up at running back, slot receiver, outside receiver. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he was returner too. Nebraska used him in a bunch of different ways, although I don't think he should have been used at running back as much as he was at Nebraska because I think that kind of wore him down a little bit and kind of limits some of his effectiveness. Because Are you telling me that Scott Frost doesn't? Run a proper off. I, I I talk about this in an article that's available today on Blue Chip Scouting, by the way. So check that out. But it, it it's it's mind blowing to me the amount of times, especially as a freshman, he was lined up at running back. So you you want to get the ball in his hands, screens, whatnot. He shows some some route running nuance, not not overly you know complex route running, but there are corners and out routes where he sets up his man and stems him and creates a good deal of separation. There was a, a corner route against Purdue where he can he made like ten yards of separation. The the throw was late; it didn't matter because he 
he was so wide open. So he shows some nuance in that respect. If his size is obviously going to be a question, but the NFL has shown now that they've taken Tutu Atwell in the second round, that it does not matter. So I, I don't think the size is too much of an issue with him. Very interested to see how he how Kentucky uses him. I could see a very much a Randall Cobb type role where he doesn't play quarterback, but he does play. Uh, he does line up in the backfield, take some screens, maybe take some, you know, pop screen handoffs, uh, get him the ball quickly in the open field, slants, outs, corners, uh, even use as a kind of a deep threat. Uh, he has some hops, too. There was a play against, I want to say, Illinois, where he goes up top, uh, down the middle of the field in in danger zone, goes up and snatches the ball of the air. So he brings a great deal of nuance in, in terms of his versatility, uh, shows some some route run, pro, route running promise. Um, and right now, I'll probably give him uh, a mid-third round uh, grade because he's a he's a gadget he's uh, he's more a little more than a gadget player you know he can actually i think play slot receiver at the next level but i want to see him stick more at one position because i feel like he was juggling a lot between running back and receiver and trying to learn both of those because he was even in pass protection and i don't i don't want to see that <laughs> i mean he, he's he's small enough as it is but very fun player i'm very intrigued with kentucky's offense this season because uh, they just got Darry Dare Rosenthal from LSU, uh, who will probably be one of the bookend tackles along with uh, Darian Canard uh, that you just mentioned at, earlier in the show. And then uh, I was watching Will Levis last night and this morning, and I just don't see how he wasn't the starting quarterback at Penn State. I I just don't. I don't see how he wasn't. You know, he there's some things with his mechanics that are getting cleaned up. Um, you know, he's been working with this, uh, this I think, biometrics coach or something like that, trying to fine-tune his arm. But he throws a rocket. Like, if the ball flies off his hands, like, very quickly. And he's a very intriguing player. He was used a lot as a runner, and he's a big dude. Um, but I, I would like to see him more as a passer. Because uh, he he shows some some real promise. I think the best play of his career uh, was actually against Nebraska this year, um, and he like bailed out to the left, did like kind of a turnaround, and then threw like a dime to Pat Fryermuth. Ended up being a seventy-four yard completion. Uh, that was his best throw of his career. So he has some real upside. He has absolutely zero uh, experience, really. I mean, he played the second half of the Ohio State game. Uh, he played the Rutgers game in 2019. Those are both in 2019. Then he started the Iowa and Nebraska game last year. Well, no, he didn't start the Nebraska game. He came in the second quarter. So he had, what, two true starts at Penn State? So, I mean, the upside is there for him. I'm very excited about Kentucky. I'm probably going to work on a piece about their offense. And, you know, they, they could be a sneaky good offense in SEC. Sorry, I was on mute there and didn't realize it. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny that you mentioned that because Kentucky's offense last year was horrible. Yes. Horrible. It was awful to watch. So I'm glad that this year it seems like it's going to be um, turning around a little bit. And believe me, uh, I think that if you get someone like Wando Robinson to play that uh, role that Lim Bowden had in the offense a couple years ago, uh, yep. Kentucky was missing that last year, and it showed. I'm really, really excited about that. I think that maybe once again they can beat Mississippi State. <laughs> had to throw that in there, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. I had to. Hmm. I wonder when we do our SEC preview, uh, what, wh where they'll end up. My um, guess is towards the bottom of the rankings. <laughs> Nick, we haven't heard from you in a couple of minutes. Why don't? <laughs> All right. So I don't, you know, watch only quarterbacks this week. And this is somebody I, I kind of wanted to shout out on, on the uh, live show Friday, but I figured I'd save him for uh, for today is uh, Marshall Corner Stephen Gilmore. Uh, Gilmore. Cousin? Or brother. Brother. Brother, brother of Stefan. Yeah. Yes. Really? Yes. 
Yeah. Holy shit, there's a big age gap. Age gap there. Yeah, because uh, Stephen's my age. Yeah, Stefan's yeah, in his thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no. Overall, I I came away fairly impressed with with, with uh, the the uh, younger brother of uh, Stefan, the baby uh, the baby Gilmore, if you will. Yeah, it's a full decade. Yeah. Um, I thought you know he was relatively consistent at man coverage. Uh, he's not the didn't have the greatest speed to carry downfield, but I thought he was you know he serviceable enough. Uh, I liked his ball skills. Uh, I, if you looked at the stat sheet, not that you know stats really matter in the grand scheme of things, but he he kind of had some put up some 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 consistent numbers in terms of PBUs uh, in twenty twenty, and that you know the games that I watched him versus App State and Rice that kind of that showed because he was relatively act, active around the ball. I think it was during versus. He App was State. the one good Marshall player because I watched the App State game for Cameron Peoples. There is two good Marshall players, but. Go ahead. Um, yeah, he had. I think it was during App State. He had like a really nice like interception on the on the sideline. Uh, you know, really good body control to kind of you know bring it into the tight space. Um, where I'd like to see him improve, um, I I question his feel for for zone coverage. To me, he kind of seemed to get you know drop a bit too deep into his shells, and then kind of left a little too much space between him and a uh, you know the guy he was covering or the area he was covering. So that and he, he, his tackling could be a bit inconsistent. Uh, he would take some really weird angles to players, wouldn't wrap up. And granted, he had the physical men, you know, the physicality to, uh, you know, to, to come downhill and, you know, be, you know, be aggressive and play the, and, and play the runner. Uh, but I like to see him, you know, kind of clean that up a little bit. And then like, lastly, uh, speaking to his physicality, he drew a lot of penalties. A lot of like some were kind of iffy calls. Other were like others were like, okay, he clearly was getting a bit too grabby. One, he just straight out grabbed the guy's face mask when trying to tackle him. So it's like he, he, he you know, it's one of the situations where it's like you love the tenacity, you love you know the 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 the, the firebrand there, but like you, like buddy, you gotta you gotta you gotta, you gotta calm down a bit. <laughs> you, yeah, you gotta calm down a little bit. But overall, I I think you know, I don't know, I'm not really certain of how he's able to. Uh, you know, grow athletically. I think he's pretty much maxed out as an athlete at this point. But I think with another consistent season, I I, I don't think a, a being like a fourth round bid, maybe maybe late late day two push is out of the question for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him because uh, I actually uh, wrote about him back in December uh, when uh, I, th- I would think it was the I can't think of the conference now. It just slipped my mind, but. Yeah, Conference USA Championship game was UAB against Marshall. Um, but um, I don't think that uh, my guy Austin Watkins played that game. But uh, And I didn't find that out until after the article was released, sadly. But I was expecting a bit, big matchup between he and St- Stephen Gilmore because, like you mentioned, the Appalachia State game. Uh, he struggled a little bit early, early on in the game. But uh, over the course of the game, he, he really made some nice plays, ended up getting an interception, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So – very, very much a, a pretty good corner, uh, especially yeah. out of the Conference USA. Probably the best, uh, one of the best uh, heading into to next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely stood out in my mind. Uh, I think Marshall has potentially two draftable guys uh, this upcoming year. Um, I think obviously Gilmore, and then uh, they got a tight end called Xavier Gaines, who, yeah. I, who I really liked as well. Um, I think yeah. those guys are, are both draftable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Gilmore a lot. I think he, he still has a little bit of ways to go before he's on the same level as his brother, but he's he's a good player. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I like I, I like him going to the season. Grant, I don't, I guess I, I don't think he I don't think he'll like be one of those guys who just shoots up boards. Maybe he'll get drafted, you know, because a, a little, you know. Nepotism will play into the game. Play into Nepotism. <laughs> like I hate to be a, I, I don't want to come off like a dick like that, but you know, it helps. It, 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 it does help. I mean, you you can't deny that you know having an who up, did up. Ian Book have as a relative working in the NFL then? I I don't know about that, Mike. He must have pictures of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I had to squeeze in a, a, a an Ian Book reference. Uh, there was nothing more satisfying. Then having to watch Devin's face as well, they reached as his Saints reached on pretty much every pick they had. 
the Peyton Turner. That was the only perfect pick that entire weekend. <sighs> anyway, don't even make me bring up the Eagles, please. You want to talk about reaching. Hey, we had a good anyway. draft this year. We had a good draft this year. 2020 didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> anyway, moving forward. Moving on. Um, another another player I ended up watching uh, this week, uh, Christian Izian. He's a, a safety out of Rutgers. What they is have going on that Rutgers has like nine guys Listen, that can get drafted? What is going Ray on? Chiano is a hell of a recruiter. He is actually getting the players that come out of New Jersey, Jersey to stay there. <laughs> that is a big key for them. So, Who was the coach they had when we were covering it? It was the it was like Ohio State assistant. What was his name? I oh god, it's gonna drive me nuts now. It anyway, so why you why you look that up? Let's talk about Christian Izian. Um it's a bit small on the smaller side. I think he's like five nine, five ten. I think he's lifted listed at five eleven, but there's no way he's that tall. Um but he's a very fun player. Um Dante Calinelli Ash, actually did that a, was that was his name. Yeah. Uh, Dante Calinelli did a report on him. Uh, we have pretty much similar thoughts. Really good in run support. Um, comes downhill. Uh, very active in the run game. Um, I don't think he's going to play safety at the next level. Uh, for one, the size. Uh, and two, I don't think he has a true range to play a free safety position. Or or even as a, a uh, you know strong safety either. So I think he will be best suited as a nickel because he's a really good man defender, very physical, uh, can stay in the hip pocket of receivers, has recovery speed, has everything you look for. He does need to improve uh, locating the football in the air. Uh, he had some trouble with that, especially against Ohio State. It's a couple of plays against Garrett Wilson, and I get it, it's Garrett Wilson, but uh, he had a he was in good position, but he just didn't get his head back quick enough, so he got a, a PI called on him. And he struggled a little bit earlier in the season uh, locating the football. He did a little bit better later in the season. He ended up with four interceptions in his last three games, um, especially including a one-handed beautiful interception that he had um, against Nebraska. It was – I don't know why that play isn't talked about more. It was insane. Uh, He got probably like three or four feet off the ground. It it was a really good interception. Uh, that that play really was the reason that I started watching him because I was watching Wandell Robinson. Had no idea who this guy was, and then he made the interception. I was like, I got to take a look at him now. But I think he's a, a nickel at the next level. I think he'll be a pretty good one. Um, needs to improve a little bit on his own coverage. I think he he sl- doesn't close quick enough as he as he can. Um, but generally speaking, he has good awareness, his own coverage, able to find the, the different areas and be in position. But when he's at single high, he struggles a little bit getting sideline to sideline, which is why I think he'll probably be best too as a, a nickel. But Rutgers secondary, uh, really good. Avery Young is somebody else I'm going to watch in the next few weeks. He's really, really good. Uh, he flashed a ton on while I was watching, uh, you know, Christian Isian's tape. Uh, so, you know, I, it should be interesting to see what happens, but uh, I think I'm probably going to have a fourth round grade on uh, Izzy. And I think he, his size and, and his ability to uh, play man coverage, but I think he's going to be pretty limited what he can do at the next level in terms of position versatility. I cannot believe that just two years ago, we, we've gone from Rutgers is the worst thing that college football has ever given us fold the program yesterday to multiple players that we can talk about from Rutgers as potential draft picks, like high draft picks too, like second, third, fourth round guys. Yep. Nuts. Julius Turner is a defensive tackle. That's Johnny so Maje, Bo Melton, Avery Young, Tyshawn Fogg, the Tyshawn Fogg. So, I mean, they, they Pacheco? potentially, yeah. I mean, he was, Listen, <laughs> they have taken a massive step as a program, so I'm I'm very happy that they're back being relevant. Because I remember, in, I, I want to say the early like 2010s, they were they were very competitive. Yeah, very that's competitive. why they ended up going to the Big Ten. So, 
Hopefully they get back to where they were. I'm, I don't expect them to win a Big Ten a Big Ten championship anytime soon, no. but they're not going to be the doormat of the conference anymore. That would probably be Nebraska, it seems like. Or Illinois. It's just sad that I, I like prospects from Nebraska. because It they're, is sad that you like prospects just, from Nebraska, because that means you have to watch Nebraska. You have to watch Nebraska, get get to watch Nebraska man. I don't hate watching Nebraska. I, I just do. Hate I just hate how they're they'll do good things and then just shoot themselves in the foot way too often. Because I mean, at least with the offensive talent they have, the skill set that Adrian Martinez has, they should be way better than they are. The system just sucks. It just sucks. Remember Flat when out. Scott Frost was supposed to turn around the school? He's going to be out the door next year. Article coming as you are uh, listening to this. Check it out on Blue Chip Scouting. Just saying. Save us from our misery, Nick. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I mean, the only other prospect I, I, I've noted I really watched this week was just was just Phil Jerkovic. And okay, I, you I, have I, my attention. You have my attention. <laughs> all I want to say, quite simply, is I like him. Yeah, okay. You can stay on the flash, podcast. You, get, you, you can stay flat, on the podcast. He got a flat 80 out of 100, or he's a second round player for me. I knew, I knew there was a reason we brought you on. All right. Like his arm strength. Accuracy ain't bad. Um, yeah, I, I, have, I have nothing but positive things to say about Phil Jerkovic. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. It, that it, is QB2 it, at the moment for me. It, as long as he doesn't get crushed because uh, a certain uh, right tackle of Boston College can't block, uh, you know. I thought he was their left tackle. No, that's Zion. Oh, that's right. They moved Zion out to tackle last year. Yep. Yeah. Didn't go well. No. He's a. Uh... Also, um. Oh yeah, Mike, you put this in the uh, the blue chip group, group chat. The uh, Darian Kidder profile pick. That is that is that is um, nice. As a as a you know staunch anime fan, um, I I I like the uh, the 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 whole like Attack on Titan aesthetic he went for. It's it's it it works very well for him. I got nothing. It just looks cool. I I'm very glad because we were talking about him last summer, Mike. I'm glad that he is getting the hype he deserves. You're finally. right. We were. Because we that was we, that was the episode where we did it on our own and we didn't have a guest. That was yep. that wasn't the the Jade the Jade Sailor nah. episode. Nah, that was what we did. Because I remember when we did the the one with Jade, we only talked about like the the contenders. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, Kentucky's offensive line is constantly churning out guys. Um, I like Drake Jackson last year, even though he went undrafted, which is I'm still a little hurt about, just a little bit, but. Landon Young, uh, actually someone the Saints drafted. Right yeah, I was going to say, he got drafted. I like yep. Landon Young. He, he's solid. He's going to be a good rotational tackle for years to come. I don't think he – I think he can be a spot starter. I don't think he's going to be a long-term uh, thing at all. But uh, he, he's he's solid. He's solid. I think the think the Saints did a good job in, in selecting him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Darian Kennard was always going to be the highest – player taken off the board from Kentucky's offensive line, at least over the last couple of years. Teams are going to absolutely love him. I just want him to put it together this year. I I don't know if he's moving to left tackle this year. I don't know. I got to look into that, but I'm, I want to look at the one look in general at the, well, well, I don't know if he will, because I think Dari Rosenthal played left tackle. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. So that would only make sense to keep him at right. That's gonna be such a loaded offensive line. Well, you know what? I think we maybe starting next week we'll do some 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 conference previews of the of the Power Fives. What does that that sound good to you guys? Sounds good to me. I mean, me. give yeah. me give me a reason to talk about Indiana, Liberty, Coastal Carolina more. I said I said Power Five. You mentioned group. two non-power five schools. I heard, I heard group of five because no. we're talking about the group. Yeah, of five. I'm, I'm going to start sh- I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> doing uh, PR for uh, Tulsa, Cincinnati, anyway. So, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get on out of here? 
check out my piece I did on Bo Nix. Um, I know that people were already resistant to seeing anything positive being said about him. Um, but I think he has some interesting tools. As Nick rolls his eyes at that. <laughs> I think he has some interesting tools. Um, I think he'll look a lot better out of Gus Malzahn's system. I think part of the reason he did not look good is because that system is designed for running quarterbacks. He is not a running quarterback no. at all. So that's why I think I think he will take a next step. I don't think he's going to be anything of a semblance of a top-round draft pick, but I do think he will prove that he can at least be draftable this season. So check that on Blue Chip Scouting, uh, and then this upcoming week I'm going to be writing a piece about Kentucky's offense. Going to take a, a little bit of a deep dive, talk about some of their transfers in. I just talked about Derry Rosenthal, Will Levis, uh, Wandale Robinson, and then look at that stacked running back room that is very talented, but I think could be unlocked this year. Um, so I'm going to do an article about that. And uh, yeah, that's what I got going. Uh, Nick, anything you want to promote before we get on out of here? No, not really. Just I don't hate Dale. I don't hate Dylan Gabriel. I want to make all of Draft Twitter aware of that. I don't hate him. That's gonna, I mean, that, that's going to be the title for today's show. Just episode ninety-seven. I mean, Nick does not hate D- Dylan Gabriel. Well, I mean, I I didn't get the interject earlier on Dylan Gabriel, but I mean, I think you're spot on. I, I think I think it is very difficult to say that he's better than what he is. I mean, they play in a very non-traditional offense. I mean, they got dudes lined up by the sideline, you know? So it's like, that's not going to happen, you know, in NFL. So I think your grade on them is more than fair. And it's just the summer, you know, people are going to overrate quarterbacks. It happens every summer. Every year. And it's happening with like nine of them right now. Well, that and like Gabriel puts up pretty stats at at UCF. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm interested to see how that's going to change this year with the with the new coaching system in place. Yeah, and they hired who again? Gus Malzahn. Oh God. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Yep, they got oh, Gus. Damn. They went from really high octane, awesome offense with uh, Josh Heupel to Wait a Gus Malzahn. Ooh. That's why Big Cap Riot's there now. Yeah, who's also not good. Sorry. <laughs> Um, in terms of pieces I want to plug, obviously I have my six coaches in college football that are on the hottest seat entering 2021. That's available today on bluechipscouting.com. Um, probably have some more scouting reports throughout the week. Maybe starting next week, I'll do some, some NFL stuff for the website. Um, but until next time, guys, don't forget to, um, you know, leave a review. Helps us with the algorithm so we don't get lost uh, in the out in the ether. Uh, follow Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow Nick on Twitter at PriceCheck3. You can find me on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. Follow the show on Twitter at BigShotsPod. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube at Blue Chip Scouting. And until next week, y'all have a good Y'all have a good day. God damn it. You know what? Screw it. Leave it in.